Hello and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. This week we're looking ahead to the big game this weekend in the Premier League as Arsenal take on Manchester United. It was one of the biggest rivalries in the Premier League, uh, but it seems to have somehow lost its magic a little bit over the past few years. Uh, we're going to be discussing the fixture, everything around it and the two teams and more uh, on this show. I'm Aaron Flanagan hosting once again and I'm joined by two of our Mirror Football reporters, James Whaling and Tom Bristow. How are we doing, lads? Very well, you? Good, mate. All good. Good stuff. Uh, a bit, a little bit later on as well, we're going to be joined by David McDonnell, our Manchester football correspondent at the Daily Mirror on the phone. Also going to be hearing from Sol Campbell. Uh, Tom here spoke to him at the Pride of Sport Awards um, and we'll hear what he had to say about Arsenal. Um, first of all, lads, anyway, uh, Arsenal against Manchester United, as I said in the little intro there, it's lost its magic really, hasn't it? It, it used to be the big one, the one we all used to look forward to, and now it's just kind of not got the same buzz about it, has it? I think Manchester United and Arsenal fans always will look forward to that fixture. But yeah, you're right. I think what it held before isn't quite what it holds today. But I think arguably that could be because back in the day, those were the two teams competing for the title mainly. You look at, um, obviously, Wenger's Invincibles in 2003 and then what Fergie had. Um, you know, and the amount of seasons that he won it, then yeah, it, it was just those two teams competing for the title. Recently, with Moyes and Van Gaal and Wenger's sort of dip with Arsenal, it has lost its spark because almost like the priorities have laid elsewhere. Um, but at the moment, you know, where they are in the league, both in the top four, hopefully this clash can, can bring that back a bit. Yeah, James, uh, do you have any particular memories of Arsenal United? Obviously, I mean, we're going back kind of 10 years before it was, you know, when it was properly heated and used to kick off every time they played each other. Was it a game you really looked forward to? Yeah, I, th- I think the two that probably stick out um, is Roy Keane and Vieira in the tunnel. Uh, you know, it was before the game had even kicked off. You know, th- th- that that just proved the spice and the importance that this game um, used to hold. And uh, and then the other one is uh, Ruvan Nistelrooy missing the penalty and Martin Keown jumping all over his back. Yeah, yeah, again, you know, just just showed just how much how much this fixture meant. And then, you know, I I, I agree with Tom. I think. You know it, that that was purely down to the fact that those two teams didn't really have any other rivals in in terms of winning the Premier League title. I think before the Roman Abramovich era at Chelsea, um, barring that one season in the mid nineties where Blackburn won the league, it was it was either United or Arsenal that were winning it. So I think that's why it held such such um, such a level of importance. But you know, as as Tom alluded to, both sides are in good form, and um, with the exception of runaway leaders Manchester City. Um, you'd say these these are probably the, the best two teams in the Premier League, uh, along with Chelsea at the moment. So it you know it should be a good game. Can I just jump on something you said about the players as well? I think that is also another key aspect of that of that rivalry. We had such huge players, the Vieiras, the Keens, you know, Mister Manchester United, Mister Arsenal, and these players. I mean, who who's the who's Mister Manchester United now? Who's Mister Arsenal now? Jack Wilshere. He doesn't even really get a game in the Premier League. So I think these players also added that spice. You know, it was like, oh, I can't wait to see Vieira and King go head to head. That's going to be amazing. Now it's a bit like, well, who are we looking forward to? And again, where those players aren't around anymore, I think that that has added again to that that sort of spice going dimming down. Uh, absolutely, I, I get that. There's not really eight plays on either side where I think you're going to go through something. You're going to crunch someone. And maybe uh, it's taken away a bit of the spice is probably the the right word way to describe it. Um, who do we think this is a bigger game for then? Because 
Man United are well in the title hunt, or as as close in the title hunt as you possibly can be when Man City are, are winning as many games as they can as they are. Arsenal pretty comfortable in the top four at the moment. Um, so who is this a bigger game for? I I'd probably lean towards Manchester United. I think just because. Um, I don't realistically see Arsenal challenging for the title, and as you said, you know they're in decent form. Even if they lose the game, you know it's not a disaster for them. That that um, this season, it's ultimately to get back into the Champions League. Um, but if United were to lose, all of a sudden Manchester City are looking like they've sewn it up. You know, before you've got the Christmas trimmings out of the loft. So you know, I think not only for United but for the Premier League title race as a whole. I think it's I think it's probably a bigger game for Jose Mourinho. Yeah. What do you reckon, Tom? Uh yeah, I agree with everything that James just said. Um I think so I'm mean, gonna sit on the fence slightly and say it's it's equally as big for both teams. I think this season is so important for Wenger to to get back into the top four. Yeah, absolutely. Um I spoke a little earlier uh, to David McDonald, the Northern football correspondent or the Manchester football correspondent for the Daily Mirror. Uh, he gives a, a bit of a preview as to what United's thoughts will be heading into the fixture. And here is what he had to say. David McDonald, thank you very much for joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, we'll start with Tuesday night, uh, Manchester United's win against Watford. Uh, there were signs of Man United being back to their best, really, wasn't it? Especially away from home. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was really after the sort of hard, hard-fought win over Brighton. You know, they weren't at their best by any stretch in that game and got a lucky Ashley Young deflected strike to, to win that one and you know keep keep within sort of touching distance if you like of City um, but it wasn't a convincing display against Brighton I think many of us felt that they may struggle at, at Watford um, but um, they're outstanding in that first that first half in the first 20 minutes I actually thought Watford you know had the upper hand and then of course you know they got the two goals from Ashley Young and Martial and they're in command and as Jose Mourinho said they should really have been out of sight but you know Defending and it was a very strange game. You know they got paid back and then eventually won four two. So I mean, certainly the shuffles were off. Certainly, and I think I think that's the way this United team like to play. It suits them to play on the front foot. I think when they get you know Jose in their ears, tell him to be cautious and and pragmatic. I, I don't think it's, it suits their style. So I think that that certainly was them you know, back to the way we know they can play. And you know it remains to be seen whether whether that's the approach they adopt um, at Arsenal on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Do you reckon it was a bit of a burden off United's back, the fact that they could win away from home? Because obviously, they, they, it was, I think it was three Premier League games before it where they hadn't had a win away from home. So it, it, they must be feeling good to get one on the road. Yeah, I think that was important just from a psychological point of view as much as anything else. Um, you know, they have to win now. I mean, you know, City, as we saw last night with their extraordinary late late win over Southampton, it was, um, you know, they can't afford any slip ups now, United. The gap, the gap's eight points, so they have to keep winning. Uh, I think mentally that that would have done, done the world of good to get those three points at Watford, um, and really that that sets them up for Arsenal. But of course, Arsenal are in great form. You know, they beat Huddersfield five 0 last night. You know they, they had a wobble against City, obviously losing three one to them, but they got back on track, beating Spurs, uh, you know two 0 in the uh, in the North London derby. So they're going into the game in in fine form. So yeah, it's all set up for a, for a you know a, a, a cracking encounter on Saturday. Love so. Uh, do, do you think that? After losing to Chelsea away from home, this for United is kind of a crucial game to kind of prove their title credentials as such. I think so. I don't think, as I said just then, I don't think they can afford to go there and play for a point like Jose did against Liverpool and for early the season. He got you know, castigated for that, and 
you know, in, in, in some respects, rightly so, because you know, Liverpool were a bit of a low over there. You know, they, again, they were a side that have sort of managed to get themselves back on track, but yeah, they were pretty vulnerable back then. And I think many of us felt, and certainly a lot, lot of United fans felt, that really United should have gone there and, and gone for the win, but it was a very, very typically uh, cautious display from Mourinho's side uh, away from home. Uh, but I don't think they can afford to do that um, against Arsenal. I think they have to go for the win. I think you, know, you can never second-guess Jose, of course, but I think they... They have to be on the front foot. They have to take the game to Arsenal. Um, but you know, with Jose away from home, you know, Watford was a bit of a throwback, you know, as we as we just said. You know, that, that did surprise quite a few of us. The the attacking nature of that display. But I don't think they've got much option. They've got to keep winning to keep up some semblance of pressure on City. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the keys to United kind of turnaround in form recently is Anthony Martial's individual turnaround in form. Uh, Jose Mourinho kind of doesn't still fancy him, though. It doesn't give him full 90 minutes. So, uh, what, what do you make of Anthony Martial? Well, I mean, he's been outstanding this season. I mean, I think, you know, by then admission, I think he had off-field issues last season. I mean, it's always difficult when you come in and have the kind of incredible debut season that he had. You know, scoring, I think, with 17 goals, you know, coming coming from from Monaco on such a huge price tag. But that didn't seem to phase him. You know, he stopped it in straight away, and then, of course, he had that dip that kind of second season syndrome dip last season but that coincided with some personal problems he split from his from his uh, the wife of his child um, and by his own admission I think that, that that sort of saw him lose a bit of focus and form but you know uh, and Mourinho was also pretty pretty brutal with him last season saying look you know you've got to knuckle down you've got to you know, focus you know you, you've got the talent but you've got to go out there and show it and prove it and, and, and focus I think he's done that this season I think he's, he's merited his place in the side I think he's got eight goals already this season which I think is the same total imagine the whole of last season so he's clearly you know, improved and he's playing now with the potential that, that we all saw in that first season so I think I think I expect him to start at Arsenal on, on Saturday and it'll be interesting to see if, if you know after Jesse Lingard's impressive display in midweek uh, capped by that amazing solo goal at the end whether he gets the nod at number 10 because you know, you have to say one matter, and and Henry Mkhitaryan haven't justified their uh, uh, continued inclusion, um, and that it would be a gamble because I think Lingard only started two Premier League games, and and he hasn't got the kind of defensive duties that that the Jose looks for, um, you know, when playing away from home. So that remains to be seen. But certainly, I think United have to go there with a positive outlook and have to go there and look to win the game. Yeah, um, talking team selection. Uh, there's been a few Man United fans on social media calling for Romelu Lukaku to be dropped from the starting eleven, uh, presumably for Zlatan Ibrahimovic to come back into the team. Uh, do you think it would be harsh on Lukaku to drop him, or is it maybe a wake-up call that he might need? Yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily a wake-up call. Possibly. I mean, he's come over from Everton, you know, and he's playing Champions League for the first time this season, and that's been relentless. And I think he's having to adjust to that playing, you know not just once a week but he's preparing to play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday or Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday whatever whatever combination it is he's, and, and that takes its, that takes its toll of course he's not had a break I think he started every Premier League game every Champions League game I don't think Ibrahimovic is, is obviously nowhere near fully fit yet um, came on for a couple of minutes against Watford and I think Jose is loath to, to throw him back in you know, to the starting lineup because I feel that there's a there's a cautious, uh, there's a sense of caution there with Ibrahimovic. They don't want anything to sort of, you know, they're not overloading too soon and, and risking breaking down and then being out for you know, another prolonged period. So, but you know, he has options there, Jose. You know, Martial, you know, showed with that great finish at Watford. You know, he likes to play through the middle. He can easily move across there if if he were to leave Lukaku out. Uh, Rashford obviously can play there, but I think he prefers those who are in my positions. But Jose, over the last few weeks, has consistently said, look. Defended Lukaku. If you remember, he called him untouchable. It should be untouchable. 
that was over this perceived criticism, criticism from fans. But I don't think, you know, certainly that with Glavin Old Trafford, there hasn't been any real discontent towards Lukaku. Um, but I think he likes his work rate, and you have to say that he does that, you know. Um, against Brighton, he was tracking back you know, towards the end, you know, when United were coming under a bit of pressure in the left-back position. So I think he looks tired looked off. Yeah, he could do the rest, but I don't think at this stage of the season, you know, with the options they've got, which, which aren't great at the moment, you have to say, in terms of the strikers, I don't think they can afford to, to drop Lukaku, uh, particularly with Ibrahimovic not fit. And I think he brings a lot to the team. Uh, he might have been scoring if he's got one in his last ten. But, you know, he does he, he does provide that physicality, that, that, that target man role up front. Uh, he does work hard for the team. So, you know, maybe if they can get through, you know, Arsenal and, and the City game, they've got a run of fixtures, United, I think, which are fairly, on paper, you know, you would think are fairly winnable for them. And he may be able to start resting him after that. But I don't think, I don't think we'll see him left down Saturday or in the derby a week on Sunday. Uh, absolutely. Uh, do, do you think United as a whole have enough to catch City in the Premier League title race? Are, are they... Are they stronger for? I mean, I know they play a different brand of football to City, but will, is it going to be effective enough to kind of help them challenge for the title? I think we'll see a week on Sunday, and I think you know that derby. I mean, I know we like to build these games up as you know title-defining games, and we get we get criticised in the, in the media for, but I think it really is in a sense because if United were to lose that, um, you know, it, it could be eleven, it could be fourteen points. You know, if United lose against Arsenal as well, so. Um, I think at the moment, I think City are playing with such uh, um, uh, style and, and confidence and, you know, the solid of the back. You know, Edison has been a fantastic signing for them. Okay, the Boston, the company's come back at the right time. He's he stayed fit for three, the last three Premier League games. Find a weak link with City. Okay, last night, Delft was at fault for the goal. But, you know, they've, they've got the knack that United had of scoring late winners. You know, that's three from Raheem Sterling in, in the last three games. And I just think, I think last night if City had dropped points, I think United would have sensed a, you know, you know, a, a sort of chink of light. Um, but I think that was a real big blow to United. City scoring, you know, the fifth minute of added time, the last minute of added time. Um, I think that could well, that, that you know, that could really give City, you know, renewed, a renewed sort of a belief. You know, not that they're lacking belief, but I think you know, had they dropped points, it, you know, it it would have been um, interesting to see how they reacted. But now they've won, now they've kept that winning run going. I think it's going to be difficult for United to catch them. I think City's got so many options, haven't they? You look, you know, Sane uh, wasn't even in the squad last night. Bernardo Silva came on. David Silva was left out. They've got so, I think they've got so many more options in, in those creative roles, and that's a number ten role, and, and across the sort of front line than United have. And of course, as I said just now, United's creative players, Mkhitaryan and Matter in particular, are just not not performing this season. I think Matter's got one goal and two assists. Mkhitaryan hasn't got an assist, I think, uh, since back end of August or early September. So, if United are going to catch. City and make any kind of a title race of it, then those players are going to have to pull their fingers out pretty quickly because this title race could be over by December, by, well, certainly by the new year. Lovely stuff. David McDonald, thank you very, very much for, for joining us on the podcast. Cheers, Aaron. All the best. David McDonald there joining us on the Mirror Football podcast. Uh, good to hear from him. Uh, he kind of agrees as well that the uh, the fixtures maybe not got the same spice that it used to. Uh, now, for this part of the podcast, I want to compare two of the greatest squads in English football history that being Manchester United from 1999 when they won the treble um, a lot of people do say is the greatest English squad ever but then you have the Invincibles from 2004 uh, so I've listed the most common starting 11 from kind of both of them squads and uh, we're going to have a little debate as to see which team we thought was strongest we'll start with the goalkeepers 
Peter Schmeichel versus Jens Lehmann. Uh, who would you rather have in your football team? Is that even a question? That one's pretty easy, I think. Yeah. We'll yeah. go with the grid then. Yeah, Schmeichel. Absolutely. Schmeichel, right? United. I, I, given the next question as well, I assume United are going to waltz into a lead here. <laughs> Gary Neville or Lauren uh, at right back? I actually really rated Lauren, but again, yeah, Gary Neville is my choice. Yeah, Neville. Gary Neville, okay. This is not looking good for the Invincibles. Maybe, maybe this is where they're going to be beaten. Finally, um, we'll look at the centre-backs and we'll do this together as a you know, combined. Uh, Yap Stam and Ronnie Johnson against Sol Campbell and Colo Torre. As a partnership, surely this is an, a no-brainer as well, but Arsenal get one back. Yeah, Sol Campbell and Yap Stam, I think, for me. You'd have, you'd have Yap Stam in there? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Yap Stam was, was class, but Campbell and Kian together were... Or something else. Uh, they didn't lose for how many games? Mm, yeah, I don't know. Campbell and Keown for me. Campbell and Keown. Uh, lovely. Um, left back, Dennis Irwin. Ashley Cole. That is tough. Now, I'm not going to say, personally, I, I was a huge fan of Dennis Irwin. Yeah. But I'm not a United fan in the slightest. And yet, I, I used to think Dennis Irwin was, was superb. He was. That is a tough one. I think I'd. I think I'd lean towards Cole. Um, you know, he did it all at Arsenal, and then went to Chelsea, and then did it all again. He, he was brilliant for England as well. Um, but you know, there is there is that thing with Dennis Irwin. You know, if, if you've got the ball twelve yards out on the penalty spot, he, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Well, as, are as we well picking, as being a good defender. So, are we picking Cole as in like his career, or the Cole from Arsenal during that time? Uh, the, from, from that time, from. from in the Invincibles squad of 2004. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give it to Erwin. I mean Cole Cole from Chelsea, I think he went on to to bigger and better things and became the best left back in the world at Chelsea. Um but Dennis Erwin, um yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it to him. I think he brought a bit more to his game. Yeah, I'm going with Cole. I'm going with Cole. Okay, it's a split one so I don't know what to write down because I've not created two different lists. But we'll uh, <laughs> we'll cast that one as, as a draw. Um again, th- th- this is a, a tricky one. David Beckham from 1999 versus Freddie Lundberg in 2004. Uh, as a huge David Beckham fan, I know you're a huge David <laughs> Beckham fan. I knew which way you were gonna you were gonna swing with this. I one. will go for uh, yeah for Man United's former number seven, David Beckham. Beckham for me as well. Lundberg was a great player, but um, Beckham around that time, yeah, he's um, he was he was outstanding. Okay, right. let's say Arsenal do have a bit of coming back to do now if they are going to to win this one. Now, the battle of all battles when it comes to United versus Arsenal. Roy Keane versus Patrick Vieira. If you have to pick one, you have to have just one of them in your team, who would you rather? And well, why, why, why can't we have them together in centre midfield? Uh, because I'm, I'm going to split up the... Uh, I, I mean, right, if, 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 let's, let's split it as United and Arsenal. Redman, um, Keane would be with Paul Scholes, Vieira would at the time would have been with Gilberto Silva um, or I think Edu maybe possibly I think it was at that time um, which midfield would you prefer? I'm having Vieira over Keane uh, just because you know I think they they were both probably brought as much to the table as each other in terms of, of pure leadership and dragging their team over the line when things got things got a bit dirty and things but I think Vieira was probably a slightly better technical footballer, 
people might disagree with me on that. Oh, I, I would agree with you. But yeah, so that that's why I'm giving the edge to Vieira and um, scores alongside him. Okay. Yeah, actually, I can't argue with that. Okay. I mean, Keane was huge for United, obviously, captain, and he was very vocal, as we know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I'd agree with James. Vieira is definitely the um, the more technically the technically better player. Okay. Okay. Do, do we reckon there'll ever be a centre midfield rivalry that will match the rivalry that Keane and Vieira had? I suppose you'd never say never, but the game's moved on, hasn't it? I think. Is it, is it maybe because you know the crunching tackles they used to put in on one another? Yeah. You, li- you literally exactly, exactly. And the other thing is they were both at the club for a hell of a long time, both at their respective clubs, and you know we've we've seen that's that's getting fewer and further between. There aren't many Steven Gerrards anymore staying at one club, Ryan Giggs, etc. So I think it's unlikely, but you know, you never know, there might be. I mean, you look at who would be it for Man United, maybe Paul Pogba, he's the possible future captain. I can't imagine him getting too riled by an opposition member and, and wanting just to go dab, and crunch Dab him. at them and then do an Instagram post and be aware. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, it's the game's changed, unfortunately, um, or maybe fortunately, depending on what way you want to look at it. But... Um, I mean, it's a shame because I think that, again that was, as we said earlier, the the thing that that most a lot of people look forward to about that picture was the, t- the two heads coming together. Absolutely. Um, got onto the left wing, uh, Ryan Giggs against Robert Perez. Uh, who would you rather? I mean, it's tough, but I, I still it's not like that Giggs. tough. <laughs> yeah, Giggs. <laughs> Giggs I mean, for me. I mean, yeah, that that run in the in the FA Cup against Arsenal. I yeah. think, I not think. many better footballers in the world in 1999 than Ryan Giggs. Right. Yeah. No. Okay, that's fair enough. I only said it was tough because Perez again brought a lot to that that Arsenal team, especially when he worked alongside Thierry Henry. Um, I thought those two were amazing together. Not very good at taking penalties together. Though. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Giggs has, has got that all day long. Okay, uh, we'll do the the strikers together because uh, again, I think this will be a pretty easy decision, even though United have already. Appear to have won this. Um, Andy Cole, Dwight York versus Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp. Oh, there's a silence. I was, I, I, well, I, thi- I, I, I was, I was expecting Henry Bergkamp, yeah, the, the greatest co- partnership in Premier League history. But no, Cole and York were brilliant together, weren't they? I mean, you, you, yeah, as as individual footballers, they probably don't match Henry and Bergkamp for pure ability. But in terms of a partnership, they are right up there with. The Shearer and Sons of this world, um, you know, Niall Quinn and Kevin Phillips back in the day, things like that. Just two two players that have a, a virtuoso understanding of of how each other play the play the game, and um, so that's why there was a pause. But yes, ultimately, Omri and Burkamp. It'd be interesting. Have you got the the sort of goal scoring stats they they scored from that season? Because I think that would that would add up a lot, wouldn't it? I think that would show you that again, as James said, like individually, Burkamp and Omri were. A, World class, weren't they? I'm not yeah. to say they like York and Cole weren't, but together as a partnership, they were unbelievable. Okay. Uh, so, from what we've just discussed, it basically seems that we prefer more of the 1999 team of United to the 2014 of Arsenal. If you're asking in someone as a whole, do you, would you say that United 99 was better than? Well, it's interesting because when when you asked this question at the start, if you said to me. On the spot now, which was the better team? I think I would have probably said Arsenal. Yeah. But when you actually go through it position by position, 
we've obviously ended up with more United players. So, but, but it's, man, it's, we, we, we just assessed the individuals as opposed to teams. Yeah. Hence, why I've now it's this. Uh, I think, a team. yeah, I think as a team, you, it's it's difficult to look past Arsenal, even though United won the treble. Um, there were still games in that season. Uh, I remember them coming to Hillsborough and us dumping them. I think it was three 0 three 0 or three one, and um, yeah. So, but Arsenal went on that incredible run, forty nine games where they didn't lose and never really looked like losing. So, I think I think as a team, you'd, you'd probably lean towards them. Yeah, absolutely. Brizzy, are you uh, you Arsenal as a team, or you don't want to say it, do you? You want to say United? I mean, who else has won the treble? I just, you, I don't think you can look past that. I think that was an amazing season. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. Arsenal's wasn't like it wasn't. I'm not saying it wasn't amazing for them and their team as a unit to go the 49 games, as James said, is incredible. But the treble's the treble, in my yeah. opinion. Fair enough. Uh, okay, we're gonna now speak. Oh, I want to say speak. Uh, Tom has already spoken uh, to one of the players we have just mentioned in that um, that list. Uh, Saul Campbell played in the Invincibles 2004 team for Arsenal. He was also involved in, well, I say he was involved, he was in and around the area when the infamous Pizzagate happened. Um, and Tom uh, asked him about it. Uh, so here's what Saul Campbell had to say. This was just after the North London derby. Uh, so he, uh, he's speaking about kind of Arsenal's improvement in form and then uh, he reveals his memories, or lack of them, as it appears, of Pizzagate. Here's what he had to say. You always have to believe. Um, if they play like that every week, yeah, for sure, they'll, they'll get there. Um, you just need to make sure the performances stay high and everyone stays focused and uh, injury-free. But I think that type of performance, you can't really... You should, that's a marker. You don't really want to go off that, um, or very rarely, because you can't play well every week. But that type of performance, you need to, you know churn that out week week in week out and it's not always going to be pretty sometimes and that's how you're gonna that's how you win the league that's how you win the premier league you know that's how when you win cups not always easy sometimes you've got to win ugly but that type of performance when everyone turned up that's what it's all about okay so alexis sanchez and Luka Ozil both out of contracts in the summer who should arsenal be looking at to, to replace them should they go well it'd be nice if they stayed it's always nice um the top players uh, sanchez is uh, you know he's in, you know Incredible plays. As soon as he touched down, he was uh, off and running, and you know he's played top top football um, week in week out, um, travelling around the world, but producing really, you know, he produced the game. So it'd be tough for for Arsenal if he um, was allowed to go. Um, but what does Arsenal need to do, or Arsenal needs to keep? What do you think he needs to do? Well, I think now it's, it's difficult now because you know obviously. I don't know, heads have been turned and people looking at, you know, something's got to happen for them to, I don't know if it's, if it's down to money anymore. I don't think it's money anymore. I think it's, um, I think it's how they performed this, this year that will probably decide if, 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 if one stays or both stays or both go. I don't know. Okay. Uh, you played under Wenger yourself. Uh, any, any good stories you got to tell us? A favourite story of your time under Wenger? Um, no, he's a quality guy. Um, he's played, you know, he's, he's managed incredibly well. Um, he's, you know, a record breaker with uh, with his games. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's fine wine. You know, gets better over the years. Over the years. Okay. Uh, Fabregas recently told us the truth about the whole piece game. You, uh, you played in that game yourself. What, I don't know. Did I? I don't know. You did. You did. Did you I know really? Memories from that tunnel. Um, actually, was it a tunnel? 
the pizza was in the tunnel, right? It wasn't in the tunnel, no. Where was it? It wasn't the tunnel, was it? It can't be in the tunnel, can't be in the uh, old Chelsea's tunnel. I heard he came out of the, the, the changing room. Oh, it's a changing room? Oh, that's through different. The, the <laughs> I don't know. Did he say that? I don't know. It's up to him. Right? Did, yeah. okay. Okay. I, I didn't see it. I was at the back and a lot of commotion, small door, you know, two, three people. It's all packed, two packed. Couldn't see anything. Saul Campbell there speaking to Tom Bristow at the Pride of Sport Awards uh, for Mirror and now on the Mirror Football Podcast. Um, Interesting there what he had to say uh, about Pizzagate. He basically said, I don't remember it. I mean, uh, Tom, as you actually spoke to him, it must have been a bit awkward at the time. Uh, yeah, he was getting me to tell him the story almost, um, which wasn't ideal because I was hoping to get some sort of major scoop uh, out of him. But he was very cagey. I think it's because I was asking because Fabregas recently admitted to being the culprit, you know, being behind the, the man who threw the pizza at Alex Ferguson. Um, so I was trying to get a few more details around that, but he was uh, unfortunately uh, being a closed book. Do we reckon that football has kind of developed in just kind of the 10 years since Pizzagate's to a level of professionalism that we'll never have an off-field incident like that again? Because, let's be honest, a pizza being thrown at you know an opposing manager is just so barmy. You can't really imagine something like that happening in today's game, can you? No, I don't think so. And I think <clears throat> if it did... It'd be flashed all over Twitter and the like. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be front page rather than yeah, be, before page before the pizza had rebounded off Sir Alex Ferguson's head and hit the floor. You oh. know, it would have been on the internet somewhere. Um, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, tunnel cam and all this. You know, yeah. we know Manchester City do that brilliantly, and yeah, I think that's probably why anything like that is uh, is quite unlikely in this day and age. Absolutely. But uh, with characters like Ben Mendy, who we saw last night, who's very active on social media, you never know. Yeah, you never yeah. know. He's brilliant, Benjamin Mendy, uh, isn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, back back to Arsenal. Uh, Saul Campbell said at the start of that interview that Arsenal needed to win ugly if they are to be title contenders again. Um, something they've kind of done over the past few weeks. You look at their uh, win over Tottenham. It was dogged and determined. Uh, last minute away at Burnley, uh, a place you know really tough to go this season. Um, and then they kind of had to dig in for an hour against Huddersfield before obviously running away with the game. Have Arsenal adapted now so that they can actually become title contenders again or, or do we think that maybe a bit too far away? I don't see them as title contenders, but I do think they've turned a the corner. Um, they started the season really poorly and then they started picking up a few results quite unconvincingly, I'd say. And there was always that sort of thing in the back of your mind that you know when, when the going gets tough, they're going to roll over, they're going to have the bellies tickled, but it hasn't been the case. They've, they've actually, the last few weeks have been really impressive. They were brilliant against Tottenham. You know, Tottenham didn't really turn up on the day, but they weren't allowed to play. Arsenal did a fantastic job on them, as you mentioned last night against Huddersfield. Found it tricky for an hour or so. Struggled to add to that one goal lead, but once they got the second, the third and the fourth quickly followed and, and they ended up running riot. But Arsenal got very good footballers, I think. Um, Mesut Ozil looked to be back to his best he was he was phenomenal against Huddersfield two assists and a goal I think it was the first time he's ever had a hand in three goals in a, in a Premier League fixture all within about five minutes yeah yeah, well. exactly um, Sanchez got his goal he was Giroud coming off the bench scoring a couple to give Arsene Wenger something of a selection headache ahead of the weekend but um, I think Arsenal go into this game and they have to be thinking let's go and get three points yeah can Arsenal finish above Manchester United this season? Uh, or are, are United actually a step ahead of them? 
I think United uh, are too too far. I mean, their squad I think is is more in depth. It's, it's better. Um, I hate to sort of say it, but I think Arsenal's recent success has come down to them literally just playing their three best players together. It's no coincidence that as soon as Wenger started playing Lacazette, Ozil, and Sanchez together, they've actually started winning games. Uh, albeit, you know, they they might have scraped past one uh, by a one goal margin or something like that. But when you've got your three best players on the pitch, you know, there's the ability to win games um, in you know the 90th minute or the first minute. Um, However, you know, one one gets injured, Sanchez gets injured. I mean, I lack as that. It's possibly out this weekend, so we'll see how that influences um, the lineup. But who's who's Wenger got on the bench if he doesn't play Giroud? Okay, well, what happens if Giroud doesn't do anything in that game? Who's he going to bring on then? Do you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. he's got that that depth. Whereas Manchester United now, I mean, all right, Lukaku's not been firing them in, but he's been doing a lot of great stuff off the ball. But you know, if he's not firing, then you've got Ibrahimovic. I mean, what a fantastic! signing to come in at the right time right around the festive period I think Manchester United have got uh, 10 games in 31 days um, in December and the beginning of January and uh, you know Ibrahimovic is just coming at the right time and their midfield with the likes of Herrera who was player of the season last year can't get a game can't get a game um, and I think that says a lot about their depth um, and I think that will ultimately prove the difference in terms of who finishes higher between the two clubs this season Absolutely. And just before we round up uh, United, uh, well, Arsenal versus United this weekend, uh, just some quick score predictions from you guys. Uh, James, I'll start with you. Uh, which way do you think it's going to go? So Manchester United going away to a, a top four rival, you usually bank on Jose Mourinho parking the bus, I think. But um, the way that they, they played at Watford and, you know, I think Mourinho probably sees Arsenal as a little a little more vulnerable at the back than some of his other top four rivals. I don't think that'll actually be the case. I think United will go there and try and win the game. So I think there'll be goals. I'm going for 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. I was going to go 2-2, two, two, but that's boring. So I will go 2-1 United. OK, so we have United win, we have draw. I actually think Arsenal are going to pick them. Uh, so we uh, What's the full house then cool. someone's going to be well, right we have a full house so if you are betting <laughs> on the game then we have offered you no advice whatsoever <laughs> um, before we go uh, we're going to just talk uh, briefly on the other Premier League action this weekend just to run through some of the fixtures uh, Chelsea versus Newcastle is your early Saturday game uh, Chelsea uh, are they title contenders I mean I, I think I think four weeks ago I was going yeah they're, they're well in the hunt and then I just, I don't know. I'm not feeling it with Chelsea at the moment anymore. It's weird. A lot, you know, a few people have said that this season, especially after when they they blew that three goal lead against Roma in the Champions League. Everyone started asking questions. I think it was only two games that they had, they sort of drawn or lost, and it's, it's crazy to think that they they could be out of the title race. They won the league last year, and they've got you know Alvaro Morata, who's who's proved very good signing so far this season. Eden Hazard seems to be coming back to his best. Uh, absolutely, they're title contenders. They get on the kind of run like they did last season, and yeah, absolutely. James, um, I mean, is anyone a title contender other than Manchester City? Is the question I'd ask at the minute. But you know, I think if the, you're saying the second place title, that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. I think if you're saying United in the title race, then you'd probably have to say Chelsea are. Are Chelsea going to win the Premier League? I don't think so. But um, you know, they were they were unconvincing against Swansea. So I think Antonio Conte will be looking for a reaction against Newcastle. That's fair enough. Uh, the Saturday 3 p.m. games we've got Stoke against Swansea, Brighton against Liverpool, Watford against Tottenham. West Brom versus Crystal Palace, Everton versus Huddersfield, and Leicester versus Burnley. A uh, couple of teams I want to touch on out of that lot. Uh, first of all, Liverpool. 
uh, going to Brighton. Uh, Liverpool were away at Stoke midweek. Weak in the team. Inexplicably, uh, Jurgen Klopp decided to drop uh, Mo Salah and Philip Coutinho from his starting lineup, which I thought was just an absolutely bonkers decision. Ruin everyone's fantasy leagues. Yeah. Exactly, but but it worked. It worked a treat. Yeah. Worked a treat for him. Um, it's a it's a brave call from Jurgen Klopp doing that, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, it paid off, as, as we just said. Um, and if he can get away with resting, you know, his top scorer, then he then he will. Yeah. Um, it turns out he came on the score too anyway. So <laughs> I think that was the case. I mean, obviously, with with the, the sort of fixture congestion and, and it's only going to get worse as we lead up to Christmas, that's probably given Jurgen Klopp a bit of food for thought. He's probably thought, if I can hold Mo Salah for an hour, we can stay in the game. I can unleash him on some tied legs and he's going he's gonna to score his two goals. So. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Solanke got his uh, first Premier League start for Liverpool in that game. Daniel Sturridge can't get a start. Uh, do we think it's... Um, Doom and gloom for his uh, his Liverpool career. Do we, do we reckon he's now? I mean, let's be honest. He, he wants to be in the World Cup squad next summer. Like, he's openly said that. Um, is he going to have to move if he's going to get there? It's difficult, isn't it? Can can he put a run of games together? I'd, I'd suggest probably not. In which case, he's he's probably not going to be on the plane. So that being said, I don't really see him moving in January. I think if he's going to move, it'll be next summer. Yeah. Uh, if it, yeah, well, I mean, it depends on on this this hectic December. Uh, on the outcome of that, if he's only played one or two games, then and he wants to go to the World Cup, he'll have to move. It won't be a choice. He'll be he'll be forced to move if he wants to go to the World Cup. Absolutely. Um, Everton versus Huddersfield. Quick mention for Everton uh, before we move on. Um, they are, I mean, they're on a high right now. They finally have a new manager. They're coming off the back of a four nil win. Wayne Rooney scoring a hat trick again. <laughs> like, I mean, it's as if we're back in two thousand and eight. It's great. I mean, Sam Allardyce is he the right man for Everton? Is he is he a long term option? And he's, he's barely been a long term option at any of his clubs recently. But could Everton see him as a as a long term solution? I mean, he signed a contract at the end of next season, I believe. So um, that kind of suggests that they they don't see him beyond beyond that time frame. Um, you know, he's not a young fella either. I think he's the perfect manager for what Everton need right now. Um, discounting last night's result um, they're, they're staring a relegation battle square in the face and if you want one man to guarantee your Premier League status he he's it so I think he's exactly what they need and I, I do actually think they didn't want to appoint him but it kind of got to a stage where they were like alright we're in trouble here who yeah. do we turn to yeah no, absolutely uh, on Sunday Bournemouth versus Southampton in a South Coast derby it's not really a derby they're not that close together, but a South Coast matchup, if you like. <laughs> uh, and then Manchester City against West Ham. Uh, hashtag pray for West Ham. <laughs> um, I mean, they, <laughs> I mean, we mentioned the Everton game winning four 0 against West Ham. Could there be a worse fixture for West Ham right now, or will they see it as an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to prove themselves again? Could there be a better one for them to get a result? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know who in their right mind would be betting for West Ham. But if they were to go and get a result against Man City, then yeah, their, their season would flip on its head. But I just don't see that happening whatsoever. Yeah, it's difficult to look past a, a big win for City, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're a West Ham fan making that journey, then good luck to you. Yeah, no, fair play. 
Right, that will do us this week on the Mirror Football Podcast. Um, if you've listened to us and you've lasted this far, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, but also, if you can please subscribe, uh, we're available on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Spotify. You can leave a rating and a comment as well. Uh, please do get in touch with us if there is something you want to see on next week's show, something you want to say, uh, something for us to discuss. Uh, we can certainly do that. Uh, but until next time, uh, enjoy the weekend's action, and we will see you next week. <laughs>